Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Juneteenth, also known as Freedom Day, commemorates the official end of slavery in the U.S. In 1865, more than two years after President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, and announced the end of the American Civil War to the last known group of of enslaved people in the country. The day itself, June 19th, is next Wednesday, but celebrations kick off across Georgia this weekend, from big festivals to more intimate evening conversations. Today, the Juneteenth Atlanta Parade and Music Festival launches three days of music, art, talks, food, and plenty of activities for all ages. The parade itself goes from Mosley Park to the Home Depot backyard. And the Atlanta History Center hosts its annual celebration with free admission all weekend, including a conversation with genealogist and TV personality Kenyatta Berry. She'll be talking about her family tree toolkit there on Sunday and joins us here for On Second Thought this coming Monday. Saturday in Savannah, a Juneteenth event celebrates freedom and emphasizes cultural arts and achievement, all free, complete with food and entertainment, taking place from 11 to 4 at Wells Park. If you're in Athens, you can celebrate Sunday, Saturday morning rather at the West Broad Farmer's Market from 10 to 3. Families can enjoy fresh produce, live music, and uplifting cultural performances. There's a big list of Juneteenth events across the state on our website, gpbnews.org, including happenings in Macon. And to hear more about those, we welcome George Fadil Muhammad. He's co-founder of the Georgia Juneteenth and Freedom Festival in Macon. Fadil, welcome. Peace and blessings. Thank you. Well, for Juneteenth, a celebration, of course, but of such historical significance and magnitude. How do you even approach content and programming? Well, we think about the relevance. You know, it's it's a very powerful thing to realize that being free was something that was not always available to us. And to be owned by another human being is a horror. It's, 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 it's like a nightmare. Today, we have a different reality, and it's important to remember what was going on and how, in this day and time, our behaviors the level of our progress from that moment. Uh, Where are we? And to always take assessment. So there are many ways in which we can re-educate many generations that are disconnected from that new uh, young children, youth that need to be uh, reminded of the struggle, and then building, continuing with our responsibility to build each and every day, each and every moment of our lives. That's what feeds our programming, determining what we're going to do. Well, you started celebrations already a week ago, community dinner, neighborhood reunion, hip-hop summit, and a van tour, a Black History Macon van tour. What are some of the notable landmarks featured on that tour? Well, we start with the terminal station that still has a uh, colored-only sign that's etched into stone, and a lot of people say, well, why don't you take that down? But it's very important also to make it real. A lot of people don't believe it's real. A lot of people don't believe anything that's not in color is not is real. Uh, so it's, it's very important. And so that's one of the landmarks. It's also a place where master black bricklayers and carpenters and masons 
constructed that building and all throughout Macon, downtown Macon, City Hall, the City Auditorium, the Southern Trust Building, City Annex, uh, St. Joseph's Cathedral. So many beautiful churches and beautiful structures were built by these invisible hands. So that's part of what's on the tour. We show where slave markets were on Poplar Street. Uh, We talk about Cotton Avenue and uh, it being a a mecca of black business and black religious institutions. So uh, all of those, there's so many things when you come through downtown Macon, you take for granted that really were built uh, by enslaved black people and people who just had great skills and made a great contribution to Macon. And Atlanta is often credited as an epicenter for African-American and civil rights history. How do you highlight Macon's history uh, as standing on its own? Yeah, you have people like uh, Lucy Laney and uh, William Scarborough and uh, Wallace Rayfield, who was the second licensed black architect in the history of America. Uh, you have all of our musical legends, Otis Redding, James Brown, Little Richard, Lena Horne. Uh, so many people that uh, accomplished things, particularly a matriarch, the education matriarch of Georgia, really, Lucy Laney, who uh, was so advanced at an early age uh, at uh, Ballard Normal and um, came up in the very first class of Atlanta University. Uh, You have a lot of just amazing connections with Atlanta. And uh, then you have Charles Henry Douglas, who was a a financial genius. And uh, because of his institution, the Douglas Theater, Cab Calloway, Duke Ellington, Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, as well as Otis being discovered in that theater, all of that culture that undergirds our modern entertainment infrastructure, a lot of that comes from Macon. And it comes right and it comes right out of the genius of uh, the natural genius of making Georgia people. Well, you mentioned William Scarborough. There's a story of him as a young boy recalling the reactions of black and white people in Macon to formal announcements of slavery's ending. What did he say? What an amazing young man uh, that uh Henry McNeil Turner marveled at his genius uh, as an adult. He was an adult and looking at this young boy, and he uh, observed uh, when the 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 call or the the statement was made at the courthouse that slavery is no more in 1865. Later, because Macon was liberated April 22nd of 1865, but later in July he saw. Uh, people together hearing that, white and black, and he saw the anguish of the white community at hearing that, the dejection, the total silence, and then the contrast of jubilation among the black community. And he just looked at how how severe it, it hit him. And, of course, we are ready to be free. We yearn to be free. But at the same time, there's something strange about this moment where another people that we have had this connection with, it's been a toxic connection, but it's a connection nevertheless, that we, these people are so dejected. What is going to be the future? And as we come 154 years up from that, uh, we have many complexities that have evolved in our relationships uh, as we have continued to live together. And we are going to have to continue to live together in this community, how it plays out with education, with business, with the way government is, is implemented, with our policies, with the attitudes uh, toward each other, uh, how all of that has come from that moment of a dichotomous feelings one side is in jubilation, one side wants freedom, the other side is not ready for that, the other side is just doesn't know how to live without having uh, this slavery system. 
We're learning about Macon's Juneteenth celebrations that have been going on for a week and continue to go on through Juneteenth next week with Fadil Muhammad, who is an organizer, prime mover, and obviously uh, somebody who holds a lot of wisdom about what goes on there. He's co-founder of Georgia Juneteenth Week and Freedom Festival in Macon. Well, these, these historical figures... They did live in a very different country and world than we live today. So how do you tap in to the wisdom, to the experience of these leaders, people in William Scarborough, just a witness to history and apply them to contemporary America? Well, they were doing things that are amazingly similar in terms of trying to organize the black community to move forward, to be progressive uh, people like Henry McNeil Turner, the same challenges of black leadership, of wanting us to be progressive. We, we face those same challenges today, and they had so much wisdom. A lot of the things they were accomplishing in terms of their unity, uh, they're things that we should not try to reinvent the wheel. Uh, many of them were doing wonderful things, the, the, the establishment of these religious institutions, the schools, people like Minnie Smith, who used her own money uh, that she saved under her bed, $20,000 to start Beta Eta College in 1921. That's just two years after the Red Summer and the same year that uh, the Black Wall Street happened. Uh, the kinds of, of drive that our ancestors had, we have really an ancestral obligation to coin a phrase from Mr. Thomas Duvall, we have an ancestral obligation. And if we would stay connected with that obligation each and every day of our lives, we can produce great things in our lifetime. Well, I know that you talked about educating the young about their history, but a lot of people don't know, you know, of many ages, don't understand or know about this history, including something that you just mentioned. It's been 100 years since the Red Summer of 1919. What was the Red Summer? The Red Summer was a time in which uh, a great backlash was occurring uh, in, the, in the South and throughout America for uh, Reconstruction, post-Reconstruction, and basically the Ku Klux Klan was on the rise with this anti-black uh, uh, campaign, and basically uh, hundreds, thousands of black people were being murdered, definitely hundreds in the hundreds, uh, and they were being uh, hung, they were being shot to death, they were being burned to death, uh, they were being just openly murdered, lynchings, uh, just a tremendous uh, uh, violence uh, that was occurring across this country, and it's something that uh, was a, a true horror movie a true uh, nightmare for the, the, the community. And another thing that it came on the backlash of was World War I, mm -hmm. uh, great resentment of black soldiers uh, having a newfound dignity of them even participating and standing and fighting in the war. Uh, they, there was a resentment that you, uh, you, you, know, you think too much of yourself now. And uh, so let, let us put you back in your place. And that was a lot of what it led to. Well, the trauma of those events accumulated generation by generation is, is part of the reason that we're celebrating. But you are also holding a mental health forum. Uh, we're looking at a revival currently of racist violence and vocal white supremacy in our culture. Certainly, yes. you know, there are many documented acts of that. And then the struggles are clearly not over. So how do you keep these conversations going and move forward? That's one of the big questions in our culture right now. I think to keep solutions, you know, it's, it's, it's very good to 
go through the details and analyze the t- statistics and and really look at you know what are the real problems but at the end of that conversation the real emphasis has to be on what is the solution what can we do to change this how can we really act to bring about a change and that seeking of solutions is certainly a very uh, fervent focus should be uh, for black people among themselves, as well as black, white, Latino, Indian, whoever, uh, Asian, all the total diversity of our community that is aware of our struggles, aware of our challenges. We need to always be about solution-based. How can we really bring this about in a way that is going to serve the best interests of all? So what are the events that are coming up this weekend in Macon that demonstrate and live those principles and those ideas that you're just talking about? Well, we have two basic events tonight, uh, 6 o'clock at Frank Johnson Recreation Center is the Mental Health Forum. And that is basically addressing the issues of mental health uh, that are just pervasive, just a huge problem. We have a number of panelists that are going to be talking about solutions, about uh, how what they recommend, and uh, and then listening to the community. But then we go into the festival tomorrow. And at Tatlin Square Park, which is where Macon was surrendered, a uh, place of, of that we're exercising freedom, where our ancestors struggled for freedom, we have some fantastic talent that's going to be presented, gospel, hip-hop, jazz, uh, neo-soul. And then we have Black Union soldiers from uh, reenactors that come from Jacksonville, 54th, Massachusetts, that take us into that history, demonstrate uh, what it was like. They show you, you can see, you can feel, you can smell. Uh, And then we have another uh, uh, leader, um, Lonnie Davis from the uh, Akmogi National Monument, who's very knowledgeable. And it's a lot of education, a lot. And we also have Terry Axum Austin, Ajile Axum, doing modern and African dance. And she'll do a review on I Am Somebody uh, Dance Theater. So it's a lot of wonderful experiences in the festival from 1 to 9 p.m. at Tatlin Square Park tomorrow. Fadil Muhammad, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Fadil is co-founder of the Georgia Juneteenth Week and Freedom Festival in Macon. There's a full list of what we've got coming up for Juneteenth. And you're listening to Eddie Kirkland's Them Bones, a Macon man. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.